There are horrors behind life's edge that we do not suspect. And once in a while, man's evil prying calls them just within our range. Season two, episode three of the Straight from the Suburbs podcast. We are still at the Royalston House investigating the Royalston House hauntings and all the unworldly occurrences happening here in Metcalf, Ontario, not too far outside of Ottawa. And a, a question always pops up that has anything ever been invoked or asked upon here at the Royalston House here in Metcalf? Now, what the Crypt Keeper is alluding to are Ouija or seance sequences happening here. Now, has that, I know they're, they're, they're dangerous topics, so we're gonna tread with caution, but has anything like that ever happened here at all, Louise or Darcy? No, we, no. Um, people have mentioned to us about getting out a Ouija board, but there's been experiences in my family's history with, with Ouija boards and conjuring up, you know, evil spirits yeah. and right now what's in this house is not evil it's just a very peaceful presence and we didn't want to stir up anything that might be oh yeah and waiting to cross over there, there's no need to, to disrupt that but you know as as kids i remember dabbling in in ouija no doubt louise nick darcy you've all sleep over time you better their beach it's made by Parker Brothers, for God's sake. Yeah, you can get it. You can get it. You can get it at, at Toys R Us. But don't let that fool you, because it, it it's very true that that strange occurrences have happened. You have to be very careful with Ouija boards and seances. I know Nixon's grade four, and so so from grade four onwards and upwards, you know we've had many occurrences with with different other students, different other friends that have come and gone. One particular friend that stood out was this, this girl in grade five and grade six. She would openly talk about the Ouija's and the seances that she would have at her house with her parents. And she actually got me very interested into it to a point where I'd follow her, in, her instructions and going home and trying to invoke things, you know, in my parents' house, you know, and I was caught by my parents and they, they asked me, to, you know, what the hell are you doing kind of thing? And that's going to stop, but you know, Strange things have happened. I remember going to um, there's a there's an estate close by to where I was living called Billings Estate, and on Billings Estate is a it's a private cemetery from the the Billings family, and it's just located right in the half-grown forest. I remember going there with Nick and other people, and you know being in the little graveyard, and she would be reciting these things that I can't remember, and these strange lights would occur. Happened on this little graveyard. It, it's a grave of maybe six or seven plots, all from the Billings family. And I remember thinking it very odd and very strange that these lights were appearing at will. And so it's it's just something to, to think about when you when you handle stuff like that, because 
dealing with Ouija, dealing with it, I again, I would not recommend it. I wouldn't have it in, in in my house because when you're dealing with Ouija, when you're dealing with seances, you always have to remember to close off that portal because when you're opening the door, you may have good intentions. But if you leave it open, if you don't sign off, if you don't say goodbye, if you don't make it a conclusion to it, that door remains open, that portal remains open, and anything could come through that. So my grandparents built a cottage on the Quebec side of Big Cedar Lake. And it was built above ground on, you know, there was stilts. stilts. And then it was all closed off with um, lattice. And when my aunts were in their 20s, they were there with their boyfriends and they made a Ouija board. And they had the candles going and they, you know, they conjured up and they asked this person what their name was. So they, you know, they actually got a name out of it. And then, you know, that was it. That was all. They all went to bed the next day. We drive up as a family to go visit, and my grandmother could smell something burning all day. And my dad looked everywhere, and finally he pulled off the lattice, and underneath the ground, underneath the cottage, was like hot coals. Coals from the barbecue, they're all all red. The ground was on fire. Brimstone. Brimstone, yeah. (laughs) So they had to haul water up from the lake and put the fire out in the ground. That's what she could smell burning all day. And then after that, everybody went home and my aunt kept hearing. And doors slamming, lights going on and off. So my uncle went and did some research with the name that came up on the Ouija board. And they found out that this person was a pirate on the St. Lawrence. He had a peg leg. And he followed her everywhere. She came to visit us when I was about five, six years old. You heard the knocking? I heard it down the hallway. Oh my gosh. The peg leg. And our lights would go on and off. So finally they got a priest involved and the priest got rid of them and sent him back. But this is, you know, this is what happens with people yeah. playing with something. Oh, they opened the door and, and, and this evil spirit came through and he bothered one of my aunts for about two years before they were finally able to yeah. And she was never able to see it like the priest told her, never speak about it again to anybody ever because he will, yeah. that'll open a door for him to come back. Now, I'm going to talk about our Canada's 10th Prime Minister, Mackenzie King. Yeah. Okay. Now, what people don't know about Mackenzie King, or people choose to ignore about Mackenzie King, is that he was 100% full-on spiritualist, occultist, witchcraft practitioner. <laughs> that's not him. That's, that's <laughs> not <laughs> but, but he was, he was a, a, a full-on occultist who used... Ouija, who used seance for political gain, for advice, and for information. Now, Mackenzie King was born in 1874, and he passed away in 1950. And he was prime minister, or 10th prime minister, as I mentioned, between 1921 and 1948. So I think that's some sort of, some sort of record, like 27 years as, as, as prime minister. That, 
That's a long time to be a prime minister. I don't think he could do that these days. And as I mentioned before, a lot of people know that he was a spiritualist, an occultist, and a practitioner, uh, a practitioner of, of witchcraft. And what he used to do is that he would have um, seances and consult the Ouija board in Parliament uh, at the drop of a hat. He would do that in, in his in his office at Parliament Hill. And what he would do every day is that he would write down every single thing that at the end of the day, he would write down every single thing that would happen to him throughout that day. And in the morning, he would give it to a secretary who would type it up and put that in his personal records. Now those personal records are available in, 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 in the parliament archives in the parliamentary library, thousands of pages, but there's hundreds of pages omitted. And it, during my research, I've come to the conclusion that those pages that have been omitted are more occultist, more spiritual in nature, as opposed to just regular run-of-the-day material. Okay, and those so those spiritual documents that Mackenzie King um, had his uh, wrote down and had his secretary transcribe, they're they're elsewhere. They're still kept, but they're elsewhere. Now, as a young man, like Robert uh, uh, Mackenzie King. He, uh, he dabbled in, in the occult, he dabbled in witchcraft, he dabbled in seance, and he kept on doing that throughout his whole life. So no doubt he had, in his vast life, he was, a, he was an avid reader. Not only was he a, a, a transcriber, a daily transcriber, but he was an avid reader. And he enjoyed, just like the Crypt Keeper, he enjoyed his Victorian horror. And him and I, we share a similar love of the author Robert W. Chambers. Now, Robert W. Chambers was an American author who wrote Victorian horror. And in 1895, Robert W. Chambers wrote his, his masterpiece. It's called The King in Yellow. I have the copy of The King in Yellow here. I'm taking it out. For the, this is The King in Yellow. Don't let this boring cover fool you. It's a very macabre, very detail-oriented, very investigatory supernatural thriller. And it's a collection of, and when I read it, I didn't know what I was getting into, but it's a collection of short stories that have a particular similarity. So The King in Yellow is actually the name of a play that occurs in every single one of those short, of those short stories that makes up the novel, The King in Yellow. And it's a, it's a great book. And as I mentioned before, it involves a play that recurs as a similar motif throughout the collection of stories. It's almost a la Necronomicon that H.P. Lovecraft used to describe as and question and be the result of all the horrors that happened in the story. It was the answer, it was the reasoning, and it was the question that H.P. Lovecraft used was the Necronomicon. Just like Robert W. Chambers uses the, King in the play The King in Yellow. It's a supernatural classic. And The King in Yellow, the recurring play that happens, it's a forbidden play that induces despair and madness in those that read it without the story. Now, throughout time, other authors have picked up on The King in Yellow, but through the book, they may mention as The King in Yellow as a physical person named The Stranger or Haster. And that is the recurring topic that has now become, um, other authors, uh, other authors has, have picked up onto it and have used the, 
has used the stranger, have used Haster, have used the king in yellow to describe their horrors that they're writing about. And what struck me when I was reading the King Yellow was the color yellow. Why not? You know, if you're, this book was written in, in 1895. You know, back in 1895, you had your limitations of colors. Why use yellow? Now, Mackenzie King had an estate in Chelsea, Quebec, where he would invite dignitaries around the world, and he had his own person. He had a whole team of spiritualists that traveled with him, and they would go to do, you know. They would go from Parliament Hill, where he had he would have impromptu sessions of spirituality and conjuring, and they would have planned sessions of conjuring and spirituality at Mackenzie King Estate. So he had he had he had the states, had the spiritualism. It's rumored that um, that Alistair Crowley once came to Chelsea to meet with Mackenzie King at Mackenzie King Estate, and I'm going to ask my beautiful panel. My, and McCall panel of Louise, Darcy, Nick. What color was Mackenzie King's estate? It was yellow. Bird. It was yellow. Yeah. Our 10th Prime Minister went out of his way, a known spiritualist, a known occultist, a known reader of Robert W. Chambers, to paint his estate, his retreat, yellow. And amongst those yellow walls, he would have seances, he would have Ouija sessions, he would get advice from the other realm, from the spiritual realm, on what to do. And it's all described in his writings. Some of it we could read, some of it it's more confidential and we cannot read. It's tucked away safe in the parliamentary archive somewhere. Is it an homage to the king in yellow? I know the play induces despair and madness in those that read it. You know, and the rumor is that Robbie Demi Chambers actually wrote a play called The King in Yellow that has been lost to time, but maybe it hasn't been, was it discovered by Mackenzie King? Was it given to Mackenzie King as a, as a head of state, the head of the country? Was he privy to having this madness inspiring play at his disposal where he could write about it? where he could read about it and he could design and paint his house, the color yellow. Does yellow invoke madness? I don't know. You know, colors have a, have a strange way of affecting people. But it's, it's something to think about that our country and our 10th prime minister was somebody like-minded like this table here that thought like us and that acted like us and that asked the same questions that we, that, that we ask. And that goes for all the listeners at home as well. You know, there's an old expression, asking you shall receive. If you ask that, that realm and you really want to hear it, you'll get some answers. And no doubt Mackenzie King got the answers within his yellow walls about what he was searching for. Just like here today, here at the Rolston House, we've got some answers about the spiritual questions that we have. Are ghosts for real? Yes. Are spirits for real? Yes. Does a soul exist? It, it sure does. You know, we've had a, a great discussion here today. And, you know, if we could just go around and I could, I could ask you what your thoughts of briefly, what we, how we could conclude this. I do believe that 
ghosts exist and that some people's souls hang around for a while until they're ready to cross over. And for some souls, that takes a very, very long time. Yeah. I guess some of them are afraid to cross over. They don't know if there's anything on the other side for them. Yeah, so they, they stay to protect. They, they want to still be part of the life that's going on. Why, why leave a good thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they're here to keep us company. And I think we keep them company and uh, yeah. we all get along. And, yeah. and I'm glad you said that, Darcy. Just imagine if you were an individual who didn't accept it. And it was like forcing them out. What would have happened? But you're living in harmony right now with them. So that's exactly that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it'd be definitely definitely strange if you didn't. Yeah, what do you think? No, I, I that's that's exactly like whether you're a, a like a staunch believer or, or a kind of you know an, or a complete absolute non-believer. No, there there's a need to be an element of respect. So might not even necessarily understand it, but. Again, without being so ignorant to the fact that they could or or do or don't exist, because I haven't empirically seen them that you know as illustrious as other people have. Without question, I think that having a respect for the fact that, again, as a, as energy, which we know actually travels and happens, I think having the respect having respect for the fact that you know ghosts or hauntings or these 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 you know beings. And, and, and seemingly, as uh, we've been discussing both on camera and without, is sentinel beings. Yes. With, with that's, that's the thing that I'm, I'm, it's not just, it's not just a, you know, a ball of smoke, but it's seemingly trying to give you a message. It's not seemingly just a, a guy, but it's a guy trying to like comfort you or make you feel comfortable with, or these women that are present here. They're, 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 they're trying to give you a, a sense of, of calm and guidance. And I think, Having the respect for that is vital because, again, just as like the, the 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 Ouija, if you go and mess around with something that you don't know, like you, there's the potential of taking taking it to the next level, which could be bad. Yeah. Like you said, respect. Respect yeah, is the key word. I'm glad you brought that, that up. Yeah. 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 I really am respecting that they're just living. They're just living in a different realm. They have their own reality, mm-hmm. where we have our own reality, and we're respecting that yeah. and respecting the energy that you can bring forth into this world too. Like fear and respect of something like that is, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's what you feel when you come into the Royalson House is 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 harmony. You know, you guys have you and Darcy, Louise and Darcy, have accepted it and have lived alongside it and have abided by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a comfortable lifestyle for you both. And so concludes session three, which uh, which is fascinating because we've been in the house for in the Royal House for a long time. So I want to thank everybody for listening at home, all you macabre listeners, and my my macabre panel here, Louise, Darcy, and Nick for joining me here today. Now today's session and today's season um, of the Straight from the Suburbs podcast have been brought to. Uh, so we have our first sponsor. It's brought to us by A Squared Hairstyles. So if you need your hair cut, they'll come to your house. They have a spot down in Somerset. They do fantastic work. In fact, they're coming to cut me and my family's hair tomorrow morning. My good <laughs> friends, Andrew and Amy, they're coming. Hey, why be A1 when you could be A Squared? A Squared Hairstyles. 
So Louise, I know you and I, we share similar tastes in, in vino. So I know I have some, <laughs> some merch made available. So I have our first straight from the suburbs vino. Oh, Tempranillo awesome. grapes, fantastic stuff. So if you need anything, t-shirts, hats, toques, bottles of wine, let me know. Let the crib keeper know at mofinley24 at gmail.com. This is for you. Thank you. That's beautiful. Very much. Beautiful. Yeah. And I also have some something for the something for the fellas in the crib. This is a straight from the suburbs t-shirt. That is awesome. And as a creep as a crib keeper, I could say that you guys have been crib kept. Awesome. Here, in the, here in the crib. That's awesome. Thank you. And Darcy, yeah, that one for you as well. So again, thank you for all you fabulous listeners at home. It's much appreciated. I really appreciate all the positive feedback and all the requests for for further episodes so please keep sending it to me and i'll keep producing these the the, the um these podcasts and these products as always i am the crib keeper signing off stay suburban stay mystified <laughs> <laughs>